1: Oh, yeah, the Gateway Lounge on a Thursday early afternoon where all of the world's problems are always solved. Uh, Glad we made it here. We made it. Didn't happen last week. Uh, And I'm, I'm thrilled because my Honda Fit didn't blow over or blow away in the wind. We made it here. Welcome to winter. South Dakota Rite of Passage, right? We got the Indian summer for a while and now here we are. It's a, it's a tradition like no other. It's the week of the state championship game, and it looks like and feels
0: like shit out there. I actually was fine. worried my pickup was going to blow over because really? it's a little bit more of a high-profile vehicle than, than your little Honda Torip or whatever it's called. So <laughs> It's a fit. It's got a great motor. It's very reliable, and it's never
1: blown over. If it doesn't blow over when uh, you know me and my 175 pounds of muscle and steel aren't in it, then... Uh in tornadoes and stuff then uh it's gonna be just fine i was thrilled to see some responses on twitter that uh, people i don't know no one actually said they missed us last week but i guess they noticed we didn't do anything so we'd like to thank our loyal our loyal fans
0: right our loyal listener
1: although i did find it interesting because we we've threw out a tweet and we did it so we can respond to some of your uh, questions and remarks about some of the stuff we're talking about but uh, at, at some point somebody said not only did they notice but they're they're like hey I mean Zimmer's got to be real busy with the Jackrabbits football and basketball seasons colliding in high school football and then a and then like a, at least one or two other people are like yeah yeah Zim's real busy and I'm thinking what, what am I? Just laying on a hammock in the desert somewhere all the time? You, you think I'm just eating Cheetos out of my belly button for 10 hours a day? <laughs> <laughs> like I don't, like I don't have fucking jobs either that I'm too busy to do this for. But we're happy to be here. It's a good diversion. It is a busy time. It's a fun time, right? Yeah. Yeah, you're all right. I
0: think I have a. Uh 13 bylines this week or something, so. (laughs) That's right. Yeah, no, I I don't, you know. I hate to be that guy who's, look how hard I'm working. I don't don't like to do that. Yeah, okay. Everyone works hard.
1: That is very true. So do we. I I had election, I had the three days of election type of stuff, and, uh. Now we're getting into high school football state championships, which we might do because I know you've been covering some high school football and you covered this, uh, the same semifinal game I did, and we can look ahead to that. That's kind of fun. But let's, of course, start with Jackrabbit football because that was a fun win. You were there in Cedar Falls, and I'll, I'll put it this way. It, it almost became that banana peel game that we talked about two weeks ago. Jackrabbit fans are always afraid of, rightfully so. They've never had a season where they didn't go through something like that, right? But it's also, uh, I hate to be the uh, 90s Nebraska National Championship guy. Again, that's my point of reference for, like, all things college football. But no team, except for the 95 Huskers, goes through uh, that wins a national title, goes through a season, and doesn't have a game like that Northern Iowa game. Team you should beat, it's close, they hang in there. Uh, maybe you need a, just, a, just a tiny bit of luck to go your way, but you find a way to pull it out. Uh, very few teams, even if they go undefeated, don't go unscathed.
0: Yeah, I uh, very much took the uh, any win is a good win at, that, t- at yeah. that point in that situation. You're playing a team, you're not only on the road in a tough place to win, but a team that's in desperation mode, survival mode, you know, basically needed a win to keep their playoff hopes alive. Uh, that was a good win. Doesn't matter how you got it. They just had to get that win. Um, yeah, I was thinking at times, especially when they had a 28-14 lead and let it get away from them, you know, maybe this is that the one we've talked about before where, oh, this is the one that trips them up. Um, the Jacks have been the ones talking about that this year. That's what's kind of funny. Like – I haven't written much saying, you know, well, when's the other shoe going to drop? I'm not saying I haven't mentioned it. Uh, But after the Indiana State game, like, Mark Gronowski is like, we're sick and tired of people saying that, you know, this team always loses a game they're not supposed to. Well, be sick all you want. It happens every year, you know. And then Stig said it again on Tuesday at his uh, press conference, and I'm kind of like, okay, I guess this is really in your guys' head, and that's fine. And if it's in your head because I'm writing about it or Zach Borg's talking about it on TV or – Uh, because the fans are are talking about it. And the fans, frankly, I think are the ones who are the most, um, you know, I don't know what the word is, um, not cursed, but like, you know, they're the ones who've been through it so many times. Right. You know, uh, players come and go. They're only there for four years at a time. You know, these fans have been watching this happen for a decade. And, uh, you know, in the North Dakota game, you know, when, when North Dakota jumped out to a big lead, you know, my Twitter mentions fill up with Jacks fans going, "Oh my God, here we go again! They're gonna blow it!" And they come back and win, you know. And then, yeah, um, last week against Northern Iowa, you know, they're giving up the, the lead at the end, and same thing. Jacks fans on Twitter are like, "Oh, geez, what do you know? Here's the game that they blow it. They're two wins away from clinching the, ch- and they they're choking again." It's yeah. like, relax, calm down, you know. And they did find a way to win, and they deserve all the credit for that. You know, they they have avoided that letdown, and I think they're gonna get it done here again on Saturday and complete an undefeated regular season in the Valley, which that's really friggin' hard to do. The Valley may, may not be quite as tough as it was five, six years ago, but I don't care. To, to g- get through this conference at 10-0 would be an amazing accomplishment. Um, but to act like, you know, it's weird that people are talking about that or that's something that, that seems to really be on the Jacks' minds, that's interesting to me.
1: Yeah, and by yeah. the
0: way, the whole – it's going to be cold, and speaking
1: of not so savory and proud Jackrabbit traditions, uh, a cold weather game. I want to get to that in a moment, but uh, we can look back to you and I, and you. Yeah, you make all those points. It's that's their reputation. I would love to submit to them if if Grenowski or Stig. I don't. And I, Stig doesn't seem like the kind of coach that complains about people always talking about this and that. But uh, I would submit to them. I don't know if you remember this. You weren't the Jackrabbit guy yet. Scott Nagy. It was I believe either the 09 or the 2010 Summit League tournament back in the old barn at the Sioux Falls Arena. And this is Scott Nagy, who I believe the four years before this went like six and twenty every year mm-hmm. and had a, you know had, had some issues and it was ugly and, and not just we're were not ready to compete yet in division one and in the summit league. And they were the number seven seed and they knocked off number two Oral Roberts in the quarterfinals. And it was not the same old Jacks. It was not the same old crappy Jacks or the same old choking Jacks, whatever it was at the time. And uh, I just remember Scott Nagy at the press conference afterward, he just said, uh, he said, I, I looked at I-, I looked at these guys, it was either at halftime or before the game, and I said, not tonight. Not tonight. This, mm-hmm. this ends tonight. Mm-hmm. Not tonight. It's kind of like Herb Brooks, mm-hmm. miracle on ice, yep. not tonight. Yep. And uh, the Russians and the uh you know that's that that's kind of how, and that that is how that ha- that is how that happened. That how that is how Jackrabbit mm-hmm. football performed in the end on Saturday. But if you have a problem with that being a narrative of your team, change it and right. say it's fucking over because you're the ones that can change it. It's not the fans. It's not the media. You're uh-huh. the ones that change that. Right. And uh, if you're good enough and mentally
0: strong enough, you can overcome what us dweebs have to keep right. saying about it. You and, know? A, and I think make I, us shut up. Right. And that's what they're doing. Yeah. You know, and and to Mark Gronowski's credit, you know, he was saying. Um, where we have made that a priority. That is a thing we have talked about. Yeah. And maybe that's half the battle. You know, maybe in the past they were too busy trying to convince themselves it wasn't a thing. I don't know. I'm, I'm speculating. But, you know, they clearly, at least according to Mark, you know, they came out and said, we are not going to let that happen this year. You know, whether they think the, the narrative is unfair or fair or whatever, and I think we all know it's fair you blew a 20 to nothing lead at home to southern illinois last year. You lost on a hail mary to USD on the you know yeah, the, right. the media didn't do that, you did that. Yeah. Um but having said that, they clearly are taking it to heart. You know, they're saying, "Let's not let that happen this year." That's cuz I think where it comes from it's not like people in the media or fans are constantly trying to like throw it in the jacks player's faces like, "Hey, remember when you did that?" You know, it's not that. It's more like you know, people ask the question over and over and over again. What's it going to take to get to the national championship? What's the difference between SDSU and NDSU? Yeah. And that, how many times have we talked about it on this podcast over the years? Uh, or anywhere else? What's the difference between SDSU and NDSU? NDSU doesn't have those letdowns. You know, they Except don't for when it's
1: SDSU, but, but that's, not, doesn't that's quite, not a letdown. It doesn't quite count. That's not yeah, a letdown. Yeah, no. yeah exactly. That's no. getting beat by a really good team. Yep. Yep.
0: You know, that's the difference. And if that bothers the Jacks, whether it's the players, the coaches, or some of their fans or their administration or whatever, then like you said, change it, do yeah. something about it, and they yeah. are clearly doing that this year, and, by the and way, they deserve the credit for that.
1: And by the way, that was Nebraska football for like seven or eight years before they started winning right. national titles, right. was they lost seven straight bowl games, Colorado, Oklahoma, Miami, Florida State kept beating them, and sometimes beating them bad, and Tom Osborne, what, people want him fired, like
0: Can't you, win the big you, one. You, exactly. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And uh, eventually, you just uh, and again, it looks like they're doing that, and so within the football part of that football game against Northern Iowa, and I, I partly come out of the gates talking about this because you know, it was. Just one guy I had an issue with me just saying, "That's a big, that's a big win that you need." And I, and I, but they didn't play. If they want to win the national title, they got to play better than they did in that second half. Because this time they had the lead, yeah. and they didn't. They didn't really score much of the second half or do much with the ball after the first uh, opening. After the opening drive, where they did score, um, they were lucky to escape and, with a win. And, I get, is, it, yeah. and I get it. And I get Northern Iowa's tough, and it's a banana peel game, and they they they're overcoming things they used to not overcome. But you know, I guess I rained on a, a, a couple parades because I said, and 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 maybe that was Captain Obvious. Maybe most Jacks fans watching know that we can't, we got to play better than this in the playoffs mm-hmm. down the stretch, or else we are going to get beat by a better team. Um, but uh, you know, as I stepped back from it, I did think again. For the most part, they played pretty well. They just didn't really produce much offensively in that second well, half. There was
0: and there were some breakdowns on defense. You know, the fourth down conversion looked like I don't know if there was a a miscommunication on the call or, or what was going on there, but that was kind of an ugly play. And uh, both interceptions the Jack's defense came up with were tipped balls by the receiver, you know, just drop, kind of a drop, bad pass. So, I mean, they got some breaks in that game too. And then, and then the ending, you know, Hunter Dustman shanked that field goal, Yeah. you know, and that was not, I, it was pretty close to a chip shot, you know. You go to overtime, you think you're going to win that game? I don't. That game goes to overtime, I'm pretty sure Northern Iowa wins. They had all the momentum. They were yeah, playing a lot better. They did. Um, but they, they they committed a stupid penalty and and it was by all means a penalty um, and you know yeah. Hunter gets another chance and he makes a kick and you go home with a win, um, but yeah it's they they did get lucky they did they did get a win without playing their best playing as good as they can they know that that's okay I mean and that's what I meant by saying there's no such thing as a bad road win in the conference there's not no matter how you got it you got it that's the important thing but and I'm basically taking words right out of John Stiglmeyer's mouth right now. You can say, we're glad we won the game. All that matters is we won the game and still look at that game critically and say, okay, what did we not do well? What do we have to do better next time? Just because you say, oh, we're just happy we won doesn't mean you don't try to correct any of the things you didn't do well in that game.
1: Sure, and if you look at it, it's good. that kind of a game is good for them. Because they're going to have some close games in the playoffs. Uh, When that happens, I don't know. Maybe not until the semifinals. I
0: don't know. Hunter Dustman had not really been in that situation before. Now he has. Hopefully next time he isn't as nervous when he has to kick a game-winning field goal.
1: Yeah, and I realize they hung tough and made huge defensive stop after defensive stop in the biggest of all games at North Dakota State. But in this case, this is kind of things are falling apart. How did how did you get to that winning field goal drive? You you stopped them defensively deep in their own territory, mm-hmm. made them punt. So that's clutch defense against a tidal wave of momentum, and then you had a huge punt return, and then just cr- ran the cr- ball right yeah, down the throat. Tr- cr- cr- r- r- yeah, Yeah, You were pl- obviously they're playing for a field goal, but nine yards immediately by Davis and on third and nine, Mark Gronowski. Uh, gets rushed and just kind of throws it away. I mean, he, uh, I don't even know if that was the final drive. Looking at the notes, whatever. I don't remember. I, I don't think drinking, that's right. I was but drinking it. Okay, here we go. I got it. Davis, four yards. Davis, four yards. Davis, eight yards. Davis, five yards. It was all Isaiah Davis setting up for the field goal. I mean, that's when, when you're just like, we're, we're, we're trusting our field goal kicker and we're trusting our running back to get, mm-hmm. and we're not going to pass. We're, you know, we have to utilize the clock and be aware of the clock. And I get it, you mostly want the clock to run down. But still, it's not—it's—it's—it's it's, it's just a bit of a roll of a dice to just continue to try to get yardage just by straight up runs up the middle. And th- this all tells me that, uh, A, you've got the playmakers to do it. You've got the playmaker to get you the big defensive play on third down to make them punt. You've got the playmaker to get the punt return. You've got all the playmakers, especially the guys up front and the running back, to just keep cramming it down their throat for a total of uh, 860, 21 yards to make it a chip shot for your field goal kicker. Uh, so you've, you've got playmakers. Now they've been clutch in that sort of situation. And, uh, and even now your kicker, even though he needed a second chance, he probably has a little more confidence if he has to come up and do that again. So this is all good for you, right? Mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Um, any other big observations from that game? Um, well, there were rumors all week that Mark Gronosky was hurt and might not play. And he played. Um, he played well at times. He played not so well at times, particularly in the second half. Uh, So that'll be interesting to keep track of going forward. Um, You know, they're still banged up at linebacker and some other spots. So um, they got to get through this one more game, you know. But then assuming they do, and even if they lose on Saturday, they're still going to get a seed. So they're going to have two weeks off in a row. Hmm. Uh, They'll have their bye week on the final week of the regular season and then the bye week by getting a seed. Obviously, they want to win and make sure that's a top two seed so they get home field advantage throughout the playoffs. But they're going to get a chance – Now, back in September, I looked at the schedule, and and they did too, and said, well, geez, if they get a seed as they hope to, as they want to, that means they're going to have back-to-back bye weeks. That doesn't seem ideal. Nobody wants to go 20 days in between football games. That just feels like a recipe for coming out flat after 20 days off. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not 20 days off, but you know what I mean. Um, I don't think anyone thought that that was a good thing for the Jacks. I don't think anyone didn't look at that and go, well, geez, that's something we're going to have to overcome. But now that we're in December or November, will be December by then. I don't think it's surprising necessarily that it probably will be a positive now because they're so banged up, mm. having two weeks off in a row. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I wouldn't expect Adam Bach to be back by then. Um, but there's other guys that have, you know, whether they've been in or in or out of the lineup, you know, that have just been really dinged up and uh, having that much time away uh, could could have them really fresh and really ready to go when they finally have that first playoff game. You just worry about rust yeah. or, or whatever from, from going yeah. that long. The malaise, playing the, games. Yeah. the malaise.
1: Yeah. uh, and, pro- and that game's probably not going to be in great weather at Dana Jay either. But you, you mentioned Gronowski. And is it, a safe, is it safe to say he's just not as dynamic as he was, his Offensive Player of the Year, year in spring um, of twenty? I, I 20? think maybe,
0: but he's improved so much as a passer that I think he's still as good of a player. Okay, He's I, had a really good year. Well, I asked you that because
1: um, uh, there's all kinds of stats. We, we all love stats.
0: He correct. hasn't run the ball much. He hasn't been the threat running the ball as he was. But
1: correct me if I'm wrong. That interception he threw early in the fourth quarter was his second interception in, like, 230-plus passes. Ah, uh, that could be. Like he rarely – I think that's that what Tyler be. Merriam said on the radio. I, I wrote my chicken scratch when he said that. I think he only has four on the year. Uh, I mean, that is – that's absurd. That's a nice well, thing to have in your favor, again, in I the playoffs. I think people
0: forget, in the spring season, he was an average passer, maybe a little bit above average, Yeah. Um, and just a really good threat running the ball and making plays and you know you had Pierre Strong and Isaiah Davis and whatever I mean he's been he hasn't run the ball that much this year partly out of lack of necessity you know they haven't needed him to run the ball that much Um, he does have seven rushing touchdowns so he's clearly still a threat to run the ball when they need him to I don't think he's as electric for lack of a better word as a runner partly because of The injury that he just, you know, missed 16 months from and partly from, again, apparently he might be hurt again. Um, But he's improved a lot as a passer. And that was before the season. All the narrative around Mark Gronowski was we already know what a good athlete he is. We already know what a great leader he is. The final piece for him is just to become a more reliable passer, better in the pocket. And to me, he has knocked that out of the park. He has. But has he been perfect? No. Has he missed some throws? Yes. Especially early in the season. But the last few weeks, he's really gotten in a groove. He did not have a good second half last week against Northern Iowa. People were all over his ass on Twitter about it. He had the intentional grounding and, and you know some other bad plays. Um, but you know what? Guys have, have moments where they don't play that of course. well. I, I think overall, he's been really good. And uh, I think that's a big reason that they have a chance to finish off an undefeated season here. Did his modus operandi when he was getting pressured in the
1: pocket collapse to run? And does he not do that as much anymore?
0: Um, I, No, I I don't think he quite has the same escapability as he did before. Okay, and it's hard to tell if he's you know cognizant of that and and like you know a little gun shy as far as taking off or if he's trying to to coach himself to no I can't be a running guy all the time I have to keep my eyes downfield you know whatever I mean I, I I'd have to probably be sitting in the room with him and Zach Lujan when they're going over the film to know yeah. exactly how they're evaluating those sort of things but um, I don't know I. I, I still think, like I said, seven rushing touchdowns. Uh, he still ha- is an athlete, um, but he's not. I don't think the guy who who wants to necessarily look to run first, because that was the other thing. You know, he said a lot. Yeah, yeah you know, my, that spring season, my rookie year. You know, I just if my first read wasn't there. I took off. There you, you go. Know, he's not doing that anymore.
1: Yeah, and I, I bring that up because. Uh, I'm a Chiefs fan. You watch Mahomes on Sunday night. I don't know if you saw the Chiefs game on Sunday night. I don't even remember who they were playing now. Who are they playing? Were they playing the Bills? Uh, yeah, were pl- they playing the Bills? My God, I'm a Chiefs fan. I don't remember this. It all jumbles together. But Patrick Mahomes, uh, re- like he, you you forget that he's such a good runner and escaper. He used to. It felt like he used to do that all the time in his younger years, and it doesn't happen as much. But they absolutely needed him to do that. Uh, in a few critical spots, mm-hmm. uh, it, it late in the game on Sunday, and he and he did it. Like he, he's just he's reserving all that. He's not he's not putting himself out there to get hurt as much. His instinct is not to run, but if he absolutely has to, game is on the line. He can do that, and that's the same thing. If high school, we have some high school football fans listening. Taylor and Ashley at Jefferson, same thing. Mm-hmm. He's a good thrower, but the most dangerous thing about him is he can escape and he can Mm -hmm. run for some yards and and juke guys out and all that stuff. And he's got a state championship game on Saturday night. He started to use a little bit, he barely did any of that. He was great at it his first two years. You hardly have seen any of it this year. And he got hurt. Like he had a lower leg injury his second game this year. And all of a sudden, semifinal game early in the game when they didn't know, you know, when Jefferson needed him. Uh, again all of a sudden oh Taylor's running again and i just think that that could that plays a part later mm-hmm. in games later in the season that's that's when mark can get back to being that dangerous with his legs
0: well and you know we've seen it i remember uh Lorenzo Brown at USF 1000 years ago you know he was the best athlete in the entire country at the <laughs> NAIA level and all through his senior season people were kind of like how come he's not running the ball and then they played north dakota the FCS team in the big, you know, showdown and all of a sudden he ran 25 times for 120 yards or whatever and then the same thing happened in the playoffs they sort of unleashed him when they they needed him and he became a big running threat. That could be partly what the Jacks are doing, too. I I stick by what I said. I don't think Mark is quite as explosive as a runner as he was as a rookie. There could be some some bit of like, yeah, this is in our playbook, but we're not going to use it right now because we don't want you to get hurt. Yeah, exactly, Um, exactly. By the way, it's not just about keeping it under wraps to make it a surprise in December. It's also we can't be exposing you to that much contact because it's become pretty apparent that um, the Jacks, you know, don't feel great about their backup quarterback situation. They need Mark Gronoski to be in there.
1: Uh, by the way, uh, well, we'll get to some Jackrabbit football questions on Twitter in a moment. The I I want to move ahead to Illinois State and, and the playoffs going forward. But for you and I, I don't remember if it was you and I fans I read this from or somebody else uh, that said this. But you know, they were kind of an old guard of the Missouri Valley Football Conference. They were kind of the correct me if I'm wrong, the big dog of the league until North Dakota State really started showing up and winning national titles, and they've always been really good. They've always been a tough out, mm-hmm. but that's all they have been the last few years. It seems like every year they come down to the season and they've got to take some big swings just to make the playoffs, and then they can even sometimes, I think they beat the Jacks in the playoffs two or three years ago. Correct, at the Dana J. Dyke House. You uh, and I? Yeah, you and yeah, I. Yeah. And uh, But it's Mark Farley, and we're... we're First of all, what was what was the setting like? Was it a t- like? Did it, does it get really loud in there? Does it, I was there a, this time. Is it, oh, you weren't? No, uh-uh. Oh, I did not know that. No, I thought you we were. We had
0: too much stuff going on okay. at the okay. office. Um, stuff like we were talking it, about earlier. Is
1: it really a st- the play- times you've been there? Is it a real snake pit? Or uh,
0: is not so much. I heard there was a bigger crowd this time. I okay. heard there was like ten thousand, which would definitely be bigger than what I'm used. To. I mean, I've been there, and it's been kind eh, of okay. yeah, whatever. Okay.
1: You know. Uh, d- does it feel like? Uh, oh, Martin, I mean, think Martin, about it. Mark Farley. Oh God.
0: are they got Iowa and Iowa State, you know. They're Thank in the you. shadow of those two programs. There's never going to be that much excitement around the Panthers. Because
1: I'm guessing there are some I fans. That's why fans they play their games
0: at 4 o'clock instead of 1 like everybody else. Right. They want to wait till the Hawkeyes and Cyclones are done playing.
1: Same thing University of Nebraska-Omaha did when they had a football mm-hmm. team. Whenever the Huskers aren't playing, we'll schedule a game. And I'm glad you mentioned that because there could be, oh, Mark Farley's losing his grip. What do you want him to do? He, because uh, you brought up Iowa and Iowa State, I've heard him because, again, I'm a sports radio geek at times. A show in Des Moines that's really enjoyable they'll have him on once a week I remember him saying he's not using this as an excuse this is a reason the Iowa in South Dakota and North Dakota we can have powerful football teams like the jacks and the bison here and the coyotes and uh, fighting hawks can be competitive because this is all we got for football. So mm-hmm. the budgeting and you're putting the eggs in the basket of these, these equals. I'm sure maybe Northern State and Black Hills State, I don't know if they feel left out or not, but when it comes to budgetary concerns or decisions about your football program that the board of regents has to make, well, uh, good that in South Dakota it's just South Dakota and South Dakota State and North Coast North Dakota. In Iowa, mm-hmm. <laughs> they're playing by they're playing third wheel to the Hawkeyes and the Cyclones mm-hmm. when it comes to things that uh, the public institutions and the big decision makers that are in charge of all of them at the same time can make, and the, Northern Iowa gets crumbs, you know, when mm-hmm. it comes to that sort of thing. And so that's that's part of the whole deal. They're 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 the they're the little you know they're the little sister of the public schools in Iowa, and there's there's nothing there's no big brother in South Dakota for these kind of schools. That's probably why the Jacks and the Bison have surpassed them, and it's going to be really tough for them to ever
0: yeah. t- take it back. Yeah, I mean, the Jacks and Coyotes and Northern Iowa, they all still are always going to be competing with the closest FBS school. Uh, but, yeah, there's probably not a lot of kids in Iowa who grow up dreaming of playing for the Panthers nope. where we are now just starting to see the first generation of kids who actually grew up yeah. dreaming about playing for the Jackrabbits. You're starting to hear some of these high school kids say like, yeah, I you know, remember watching them back at like, wow, that's we've been Division One that long already now. There's kids that grew up yeah. dreaming of this.
1: And, pu- and a final point in Iowa, they, they do have a lot more people in Iowa than we do here and in North Dakota, but... Uh, we talk about alumni bases and donation bases. You know, there's there's the board of regents and there's public money, but then there's also, of course, private money, which uh, is a big reason why the Jackrabbits have this incredible stadium and practice facility. And North Dakota State's going to follow suit. Uh, I mean, what kind of big-time donors will you have in Northern Iowa when a lot of the state is again Cyclone and Hawkeye fans and grads and donors, and that's where their money is going to go. Anyway. Uh, so, I see Illinois State's 5-4. and four. I mean, you, you actually said the words, maybe they'll lose on Saturday. It could be somewhat of a trap game. I'll ask you this before, Oh, what kind of chances do they have to lose to Illinois State? If they do, what are the implications? What are the implications or the consequences if they lose this game?
0: They're still going to be a seed, but they won't be a top-two seed. Mm, well, that's, that's, enough, How far to, that's fa- enough to play for. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> um, if they win, they are guaranteed they do not have to go on the road again the rest of the football season. That's all you need, other than Frisco. Okay, if they were to make it there, right. they would either go. They would either go to Frisco or lose at home, if they, in the playoffs. So there's no reason to hold anything back this weekend. Absolutely not. And Illinois State, what did we just say? They're five and four, so they're still alive for the playoffs. Um, I don't know who they play in the the following week. Um, they play Western Illinois at wow. home. Well, I think that works in the Jacks' favor. Because Illinois State, for one thing, their starting quarterback is going to be out again this week. Zach Anakstad, the former Gophers, yeah, I he's remember now, him. He's now Illinois State starter. Yeah. Um, so a freshman who's more of a running threat is going to be playing quarterback again. It's going to be freezing cold. Gets the number one team in the country. And you got Western Illinois next week—a game you know you're going to win. Now Illinois State knows they probably are going to have to win this one and that one to get into the playoffs. But I, I just think the Jacks have more to play for. So the idea of a letdown or this, you know, banana peel game as you described it, um, I just don't see that happening. I you know, Need anything? No, Susie. we're good.
1: We're good. Thank we're good. you. Appreciate it, Susie. Um,
0: I think as much as we kinda joke about the Jacks being paranoid about people talking about this slip up game or whatever, like I don't think it's gonna happen. You know. I think they're gonna win on Saturday.
1: Yeah. Uh, well Illinois State, for what it's worth, they are coming off a loss to Youngstown State, nineteen seventeen. Same Youngstown State team that smoked USD. Uh, they, I'm sure, they played admirably at North Dakota State, but lost twenty four. I'm sure they played admirably, but never had a chance to win. That was a twenty four to seven game. They've scrounged by Indiana State. They've scrounged by USD. They scrounged by Northern Iowa. Uh, they lost. I mean, they've had just a bunch of close games, basically in the valley. It's it's uh, the. Uh, the middle, of the, pa- the middle of the pack. Every team after NDSU and SDSU, dogfight, slugfest, and all games are. Well, it's going to
0: be fun to see who would be the potential third or fourth Valley playoff team. North Dakota is still in the mix. Uh, Youngstown State is uh, six and three, I think. I mean, they're all of a sudden they look like they're going to get into the playoffs. So, um, I don't know. We'll see. The, the, these teams still got stuff to play for, but no one has more to play for than the Jacks. Right. Nobody does. All right, let's get to some uh, questions that people have sent us. I know there were some questions
1: that I think you've already cleared up here uh, about Jackrabbit football. Uh, Yeah, okay, definitely Brendan at It's Thumper says, what amount of guys will get healthy over the two weeks off before the playoffs? Most outside of Bach, or will there still be a bunch banged up?
0: I'm not entirely sure. I can't answer that definitively, but I don't think Bach will be back.
1: Okay. How big, same guy? How big would you uh, think the Coach Stig coaching tree would be if there were, if if you were to do the whole thing?
0: Uh, well, by this point, it's gotten pretty big. I mean, you've obviously got you know Jason Eck in Idaho and Eric this and a couple other guys. Dan Jackson went with him out to Northern Illinois. Now Dan Jackson's at Vanderbilt. Um, Clint Brown is at. He was at Abilene Christian. I think he's somewhere else now. Going back further than that, guys, you know, Brian Bergstrom's is the head coach at Winona State. about to get yeah. into the playoffs. Um, there's other guys out there. Uh, Jesse Courier was the D coordinator at Northern State for a while. I don't know if he's still coaching. Um, there, there's, I mean, there's been a lot of turnover on the Jacks coaching staff in the last few years. It has felt like it's this continual, you know, because the culture state, and this is, when people ask me or talk about Stig, this is the thing I always say, say whatever you want about Stig. The best thing he does, and the reason I think he is such a good coach is how so many players and coaches have changed under his tenure, not just in the twenty five years, but just in the last seven or eight as they've mm. really as they've really taken that step up into the next level and the culture has stayed the same. You know, Jason Eck leaves, Eric guidesness leaves. Clint Brown leaves, Brian Bergstrom leaves. A lot of really good coaches have left in the last few years. Underrated. And not only has the team stayed successful, that I'm less surprised by or impressed by. They have a good situation. They know what they're doing. I'm not surprised they've managed to continue to be successful. What's maybe surprising is how that culture has stayed the same. Because a lot of those guys, you know, Eidsnitz goes way back. You know he's a South Dakotan through and through. Mm. You know Jason Eck. We all know what a personality he was. Yeah. What he brought to that program. Uh, I thought losing him would be a huge blow, and I'm not saying it hasn't been. But they've managed to keep that oh, that yeah. that tradition, that that culture together. And uh, it's it's something that when you're around the team uh, as often as I am, it, it's it's something that you really appreciate and admire. Uh, because it's a really good group of guys, and I can say that they, I know I piss them off a lot. And and uh, how do you, know, you piss them off? <laughs> and uh, um, you know, I'm not saying that none of them ever make mistakes or anything like that. But um, I really admire how they go about their jobs, how they treat their kids, um, and, and I just think that's a big reason they've been as successful as they have. And one of the things Stig told me a few years ago that didn't surprise me necessarily, but it was really like when he said it, I was like, yeah, I can definitely see that, was when he told me, I don't always, when I'm hiring my assistant coaches, I don't go for who had the best resume or who knocked it out of the park at the interview the most. He's like, I have passed over guys because I was like, you're an awesome coach. You have a great resume. I have no doubt you're going to be a success, but you don't fit here. You're just not right culture. You wouldn't fit in the culture I have here. I'm looking for a specific kind of human being that fits into this kind of culture. And that's what I want and I think he has an amazing ability to be able to suss that out, to be able to tell if this guy here or that guy here fits this part of this culture or if he doesn't. And I think he's made almost none mistakes at least since I've been covering the team as far as making that decision, who belongs and who doesn't.
1: So you've answered the question I was going to have, which how much does this have to do with John Stegelmeier? Obviously, pretty much everything. Because he's the one that... Well, because so
0: many people have said to me, like, oh, come on, Stig at this point is just a figurehead. You know, he doesn't do anything. You know, he lets his coaches do all the coaching. And um, I get that because Stig does give, I I think, give his assistants more leeway than some head coaches do. You know, uh, Zach Lujan's calling the plays. You know, he's probably getting help from... Uh, Ryan Olson or whoever else it used to be, you know, when Luke Schleisner was part of it, um, Andre Crenshaw's part of it. On defense, Jimmy Rogers, I don't think, you know, we all know Jimmy Rogers, how he operates. Stig's not calling the plays, I get it. Um, He's not even determining who's in the lineup. You know, each position coach gets to decide who's the starters in that group. Maybe it's like that everywhere. I don't know that it necessarily is, though. I mean, yeah. Stig gives those guys a ton of responsibility. But the idea that he's just this guy walking around with a clipboard, you know, shaking hands with the referees and doing the post-game press conference with yeah. Matt Zimmer and Tanner Castora, that, that's no. I mean, he, he has, he's much more involved in it than that. And, you know, he said just uh, this week in his press conference, or, yeah, his, his presser about, you know, I spent this week watching film on Illinois State trying to find an advantage. You know, he made it sound like that was something he was doing on his own. And that would make sense to me because I asked Dan Jackson a few years ago, the guy who's now at Vanderbilt, um, I was like, level with me. What does Stig do? You know, how, do, how does he, you know, interact with you guys? What impact does he have on your jobs? And the thing he said was, yeah, you know, I'm doing my own thing with my position and we're putting together the game plan and all this stuff. But he's like, Stig's been around so long and he's seen everything and yeah, he's he knows his stuff. So he'll come in when we think we have everything all set to go and ready to go, and he'll be like, you guys never thought about this. And he'll point that thing out, and everyone on the s- staff will go, oh, yeah. You know, and it changes everything. Um, so yeah. I, I think that plays into right. part of the I, – and I, I'm speculating here. I don't know how exactly how everything works. Yeah. But I get the sense that that's part of what it is. When, when Stig says the guy needs to fit the culture, you know, he has to have a guy who's comfortable with that level of responsibility, not having a head coach telling you what to do all the time, yeah. but still being able to, you know, be flexible and and work with the head coach, work with the other position coaches, um, because, like I said, if you're around them as much as I am, it it's a, uh, it's really n- neat, um, just to see how that group of coaches works together as a unit. Right. There aren't too many guys on that group, at least in my sense, that are like, I'm off on my own, doing my own thing. And I mean, they they seem to be a, a linked chain, as you might say, like an offensive line.
1: I'm going to make a quick, cheap, gratuitous joke, and then I'm going to move into a piggyback off of what you just said. If he, <laughs> I've always wondered, if he's not calling the plays, and he's not truly in charge of either side of the ball, what the hell is he doing with this giant binder and these know, things? These laminated sheets around his, his yeah, neck. Yeah. I mean,
0: like he does that, have sort of a nutty professor look yes, to him on yeah, game day. he does. Yes.
1: But, uh, but anyway, beyond that, everything you just said plus, um, I, I got a chance to go and w- not watch him interact with coaches and staff and stuff like that. But I got to go in the middle of a day, in the middle of a game week go to Brookings and hang out with Stig for about a half hour or an hour a few weeks ago when, on Dakota News Now, I did this story. It was after the win in Fargo with this North Dakota State radio guy slash fan who uh, lost his own bet to go live in Brookings for a week. It was only three or four days. But, uh, you know, and he – and this, by the way, wasn't the plan. Uh, I was planning on talking to Stig about this. And uh, because in TV, we need a second, you know, we need a second quote, a second story. So, okay, uh, we're going to talk to this radio guy who's living in Brookings. Who else do we talk to? Well, I guess we'll talk to the head coach of South Dakota State. And I don't know how many places you could just call. You could just, you know, of course, Stig was on our show on KWSN every week. I know him pretty well. Did a couple interviews, which... He told me, his wife told him, wow, that was, whoa, that was tough. Jeez. <laughs> uh, and uh, But he's a good guy, and I couldn't effing believe I called him the day that we were doing because I found out that day that mm-hmm. we were doing the story mm-hmm. that day. It has to be done by 5 o'clock, and i am got to go to Brookings and talk uh-huh. to this guy.
0: Uh-huh.
1: I call Stiglmeyer just figuring, you know. Nah,
0: sorry, too short notice, yeah.
1: Or he wouldn't answer. Yeah. And he's just like, hey, John, uh, yeah, can, I, can we just come talk to you for five minutes about this guy who lost this bet? Yeah, sure. What time? You know, he's like, are you busy? And he's like, yeah. He's like, he's kind of like, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Like, yeah, I'm busy. Yeah.
1: But uh, sure. What, what, yeah. What do you want to talk to? Right. We go there. We do it. And and you can you could tell he was busy. He was in between things. A couple times we're in his office hanging out. And, uh, coach, you know, a coach or a GA is coming in to ask him a question. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But in general you know we hang out in his office for a while he meets this guy from Fargo who you know supposedly hates his guts and uh-huh. you know they're chit-chatting they're becoming new friends and then i said okay i mean it's been like 20 minutes half hour already do you mind we need a little bit more for this tv piece can we go can 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 we of? can you kind of show him the the facility can we go to the facility just we need more footage you know, and just uh-huh. and john's just kind of he kind of looks at me like you're well, asking I, a lot. No, actually, he didn't. Mm-hmm. I, I was afraid he would, mm-hmm. but he's like, "Yeah, sure," and we did. We went down there. Anyway, you can see what, partly, what makes him special, just in that little experience. And mm-hmm. I think the guy from Fargo was pretty impressed as well, mm-hmm. because he kind of felt like, uh, he kind of felt like an intruder as well. Uh-huh. Um, but you know, we did the whole thing, and and, J- and John was great about it. And he actually said in the TV piece, I asked him, "Do." Would you be? Would you have agreed to do this had you guys lost this game <laughs> or whatever? If you guys would have lost, would you just welcome a Bison fan, at a TV station to come hang out for an hour in your day? And he said, maybe in my younger years, but, you know, my life doesn't revolve around winning and losing football games anymore. It's about making memories, and this is a cool thing to do. Mm. Whether he meant that or not, I'm not sure, but I think he did mean that. I think I, he did. I think this, these are the kinds of things that he feels like as a guy who is a CEO and has a bunch of uh, – he's made a bunch of really good hires that know what the hell they're doing, and he doesn't have to command a, uh, one side of the ball, that this is the kind of stuff you do as the head coach. Mm-hmm. It's not just a diplomatic figurehead type of thing. It's, it, it all ends up – it all ends up working you put it in the big stew and it's partly why uh the stig stew the sdsu stew uh-huh. works well and i
0: think too um and i don't mean to criticize other coaches in this by saying this because some coaches get this but i don't think all of them do john understands the effect he has on people i think yeah i think he recognizes that as that program has got bigger and more successful that he's become a little bit more of a big deal. Yeah. And I don't mean that from an arrogant standpoint. The guy yeah. has no ego whatsoever. Right. You know, he does not look at himself as, oh, I'm famous now. I'm a big deal. He doesn't do that at all. But I think he understands, like, hey, I'm the head football coach of a really great football team that has a lot of fans that people have interest in, and, you know, if I can go talk to someone and make their day, that's a big deal. You know, if, if someone from the news wants to talk to me, you know, it helps my program to not only do that, but to be as gracious as I can in doing it. You mm-hmm. know, I th- I just think he's the kind of guy who says yes before he says no. You know, yep. and I think in a in a good way.
1: And he and I we were not planning on talking 15 minutes about Stig today, but it happened. Uh, the last point is he nailed it on College Game Day three years ago. Don't tell me that didn't help recruiting. Not just that they went to Brookings, but that he rides it on his moped <laughs> on the show uh-huh. and does a very he You know, he wasn't. He wasn't Bobby Bowden or, you know, Deion Sanders, mm-hmm. but uh, but he was he was personable. He had a couple good one-liners, and he was very honest. He was actually honest in that moment. They were like, uh-huh. you were a mediocre—they asked him, and I'm paraphrasing, you were a mediocre Division II program, yeah. and then you had the balls to go up to Division I. And, and How the hell did you get to be a top five Division I program? And it, he was—he— he, I'm paraphrasing again. He just basically said, "Well, it, it, I'm invested," but yeah, we had an athletic director that was invested, and he's and we had some, we had some influential, we had some influential people, a, a few guys who, uh, who were uh, mm-hmm. financially mm-hmm. and uh, emotionally invested, and we all know who we're talking about there. And he, but he was honest about it. It took a little money, you know. We needed some money, and that's great. And mm-hmm. here we are. And and. Uh, and the last one is, you know, we, we all know Patrick Roycey, Minneapolis Star Tribune columnist, he's, n- he's nobody's fool, right? He's made a living off of being nobody's fool and pointing out all the fools in the world. That's his whole thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, am, I, am I accurate? I think so. And he did a story once on this, on I think the bison and the jackrabbits, and I don't know why, but uh-huh. Roycey likes doing that kind of stuff. And he just, he, I remember him talking about uh, Stig and, and visiting, doing what I, you know, visiting Stig for a day. And, and saying, that guy is nobody's fool. I mean, he seems like just kind of this nice, nutty, whatever. Uh-huh. Uh, but uh, he might seem like this, but I'm telling you, that guy knows. He said, that guy knows people. That guy can sniff. He's talking about Stig. That guy can sniff out a bullshit artist, uh, an idiot. Like, he's just, I, I could tell by hanging out with that guy, he's nobody's <laughs> fool. So uh-huh. that's part of it as well. All right. So speaking of head coaches, when you're a, when you're a program like USD, and uh, the ball gets rolling a little bit on are things falling apart, and is Bob Nelson on the hot and Bob Nielsen on the hot seat or not? That, that's kind of like the that's kind of the topic that gets brought up every week, no matter what. They're not going to make the playoffs, but Zim, they were you know they were two and six. They knew they were going to make the playoffs after that sixth loss at Youngstown, and mm-hmm. it was an ugly loss. And uh, Missouri State wasn't great either. They came in at three and five, but the uh, the Yotes won. The new quarterback looked impressive. I mean, so I don't know how far the pendulum swings every week with Bob Nielsen's
0: right. job. but They're good when they're that was home they not on the road. That was a good one
1: like. in his favor.
0: It's clear they're not quitting on him, yeah. and that matters. Yeah. You know, um, not sure if you can say the same thing about Missouri State and Bobby Petrino, but yeah, there's neither here nor there. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, like I said, I've heard that uh, Bob's job is not secure. Um, I don't know exactly what has to happen over the last couple weeks if the decision's already been made um i know at usd i know the fan base is really resting to some degree usd fans are a little tired of bob maybe and i don't like saying it that way because i don't like him or that there's something wrong with bob and i don't think either one of those are true Um, but as we've talked about you know bob isn't a real charismatic guy. You know, he's not someone who, a rah-rah, someone who gets the fan base energized. And that's part of the problem in that program right now. You know, they have no attendance. They don't have a lot of momentum. The, I don't know that the morale is really great there. So even though Bob is clearly still an effective uh, tactician, that he's still a very good football coach, um, and, that the, and that the team hasn't quit on him, I think a lot of USD fans are like, okay, but if we keep him, how much better is it ever going to get? You know, how much longer is yeah. it going to take? Um, but then on the flip side, there's also this thought, if you don't keep, or if you, if you get rid of him, then what? Who's going to take the job? Do we have to start all over again and then go through this four-year rebuild, which USD fans, understandably, they don't want to sit through that again. You know, this has been a long time coming. And as I've also said, USD fans, I think, are blinded isn't the right word, but they're so their perception is so colored by what happens at SDSU, you know, I, I've said over and over again, yeah. they, keep, they seem to have this idea that, well, whatever SDSU has, we get that too. Not automatically. It, it doesn't work that way. You don't just sign up for it. Um, so if you want to get that good, you might have to bring someone in who's a young, energetic guy or some sort of program builder and tear it down and be 2-10 for two years and, and go through that rebuild. I understand not wanting to do that, but if you're not going to stick with Bob, if you're, you, know, you might have to pick one or the other. Because this program is not where North Dakota State and South Dakota State are right now. It's just not. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sure you'd love to just instantly be good or maybe only have, you know, one five and six season and then you're in the hunt for the national championship the next year. That's not where this program is right now.
1: I, I don't know exactly where it is as far as can it, can it not be a rebuild. If, if there's no more Bob, can somebody else come in and and see, I mean, what is the talent level there? What What, what is coming back next year? Is it something... And I'm crossing over different levels of football here, but like the Minnesota Vikings, just like USD, they weren't in a disaster last year. They had some disastrous games, mm-hmm. but it's quite clear that Kevin O'Connor, Connor, Connell, what the f- I can never remember it's either. Two beers and uh, anyway, Kevin O'Connor, Con- <laughs> you know, a lot of the roster is the same. I mean, they've got some new guys, especially on defense, but a lot of the Vikings' uh, primary players. Are the same. They, they 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 needed a change of scenery. They needed uh, a new voice and a new face in there, and some new ideas, especially on offense. And it's taken off. They've got a, They've had an easy schedule and blah blah blah. But they're seven and one. Things look good. The vibe looks good. The Vikings did not need to do a rebuild. I get that's the NFL, but. Bobby Petrino came into Missouri State, and things started happening rather quick. And maybe we can wonder what kind of...
0: But Bobby Petrino didn't make Missouri State any better than Bob made USD. It briefly looked for a second like it was, but but it wasn't. The thing is, is I... I I, I I said a couple weeks ago, stop trying to be NDSU and SDSU. They're too much better than you right now. Shoot for third. Are you talking about administration or fans?
1: Either one. I don't know if fans expect that. I don't know if their fans... They, they, they want to be that someday. I don't think they're expecting maybe them to not. be that tomorrow. Maybe not. Maybe not. They want to be better. I don't than know what David Herbster six. wants. Yeah.
0: Um, you know, I don't know how much longer Dave Herbster's is going to be there either. But um, that's the thing, though. I, I feel like USD's perception of their own program is colored by all the success SDSU is yeah. having, and I understand that they're your rival, and it makes you that much more pissed off that they're they're having that success. But it's not just about that one team right now. Look at look at basketball. I mean, and you know. Obviously, the women's basketball program has risen to where it's equal to South Dakota State. The men's program hasn't caught them yet, but they're, they're exactly what I'm saying you should be with football. Okay, you can't be the best. Be the third best. Be, you know, be up right. in the, be up there. Be better right. than these other schools. And this year's men's basketball team looks looks like it could be really good. Well,
1: and for a year with Craig Smith, they were the best. They had the number one seed. They right. still lost in the tournament, but they were the best team but in the league. But you know, that year. in the
0: Summit League, fluky things are going to happen. That's yeah. what sucks about mid-major basketball. Is that no matter how good you are, it all comes down to that one tournament. And it's not like that in football. So again. USD, hmm. I think, as far as football is concerned, don't concern yourself with the Bison and the Jacks right now. Try to be that UNI, that Illinois State, that team that, at worst, is going 7-4, and 6-5 and five every year, and maybe every couple years you're good enough to be 9-2 and two and be in the yeah. in position to get a seed because then you have a chance to go to Frisco.
1: And we'll get more to this bridge if we have to cross it, but I, 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 there are some attractive things about the USD job. The size and isolation of Vermilion, that that, that kind of sucks. And uh, the shadow that SDSU and NDSU, their success and their facilities and everything mm-hmm. else they got going on is, is it tough. But, I mean, you know, you've got a newly renovated Dakota Dome. You have awesome practice-slash-weight room-slash-locker facilities. Mm-hmm. Uh, they pay uh, pretty well, I think, compared to the rest of the league. Bob has not run this into the toilet. It's not some disaster that you have to uh, – Totally rebuild. I mean, I think a good young, I mean, it'd probably be an attractive job for a good young coach. I don't know. I, I think that's probably the route you'd want to go if you decided you didn't want to stay with Bob. Because, you know, he was, he, was, he was the experienced guy, I, right? One of my was good friends is a
0: USD fan. Yeah. And he said to me, USD fans need to stop uh, worrying about if a coach is going to stick around. And I don't know that USD fans are doing that. But this is what my friend said. He goes, be comfortable being a stepping stone school. Our next football coach, he said, "I want it to be a guy who comes in, yeah. wh- turns it around, maybe goes four and seven his first year, but then eight and three, eight and three, nine and two, ten and one, and boom, I'm gone." Yeah. He's like, "That's what I want."
1: Well, the, the only perspective I can bring to this is I, I, I think it's fi- statue of limitations are long enough now. I'm not, I'm not exactly buddies with Craig. I was never buddies with him. But, you know, I haven't talked to him in a while. I remember when I first moved back here, it was his third year. It was before he got things really hopping there. And I remember running into him, first time I ran into him after I moved back to South Dakota, mm-hmm. This was a guy who had come to basketball games in Lincoln when he was the coach at USD and come up to me, "Hey, how you doing?" I'm just recruiting a kid tonight." And I saw him at a at a Lennox JV game cuz we had a kid, uh-huh. I had a, we both had kids playing in it. And I said, "How do you like the job at USD?" And he's and of course Craig's just, you know, full of full of enthusiasm, Mr. Mr. Sunshine. But he did say, "Everything's great. I think we got a good class going blah 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 blah. blah. We're going to have a rocking and rolling here pretty soon." He's like, "Yeah, we're we're, we're in the smallest Division One city in the country. Mm-hmm. I mean, he pointed that out to me. He said Vermilion has 11,000 people, mm-hmm. and he didn't need to explain the rest, He did, and he didn't. It's like, that's tough to recruit too. Even at that level, mm-hmm. Like it's a small town, and if you're trying to get good athletes, and a lot of athletes from other cities, other parts of the country, other walks of life, uh, the, I mean, Macomb's not easy. Brookings isn't easy. Fargo's not easy. But Vermillion, yep. yeah, I mean, it's and that's always going to be there. And that's I'm, I'm, that's that's my follow-up to your point. Is just it's mm-hmm. that's a tough place. It, it, it's a tough place for any coach to stay. And it's not because it sucks or it's a it, it's it's a nice town. It's a nice campus. They've got a lot of good things going on for it. Nice facilities, but that is that is mm-hmm. a challenge. It's not a destination job for a lot of people, and that's okay. Um, all right. Uh, do you want to save some hoops for next week? Do to yeah. Get rolling. I gotta get rolling. You gotta get rolling. All right. C- can you answer one question from a fan? Sure. <laughs> You're excited about this. You're not covering high school football, and we won't we won't preview the high school football state championships because we're out of time. But uh, somebody did ask. You know, he said a lot of people have told me. I don't know about you. One of the best episodes we did was last spring when we talked about this whole state tournament basketball site thing all in one. Or mm-hmm. said. That's never. That's not a controversy in football. It's all in one spot. Nobody ever talks about that. Why is everybody okay and all in on one spot for football? Because
0: it's the only uh, dome in South Dakota. Exactly. <laughs>
1: I was like, uh, should I answer that now or should I answer that on the podcast? Uh-huh. It's kind of, yeah, that's it. Nothing yeah, else really to say. That's very simple. Uh, do you have a prediction for Jefferson-Harrisburg? I know you've seen both I teams. I think Jefferson
0: will win. They're just loaded. Yeah. And I will say, there's a part of me that doesn't like that Jefferson is this good. Yeah. It feels like they should sort of have to pay their dues a little more. Um, but having said that, I don't think uh, Nick Benedetto – or excuse it's me, Vince, Vince Benedetto um, is probably – even if they win this thing, is probably going to get enough credit, the credit he deserves, because I don't care how much talent you have, and that team has a shitload of yep, talent. they're an all-star team. Um, to, to put that together and get get them functioning as a unit is harder in football than any other sport. Uh, to get all those guys on the same page and go and, and in year two – Like I said, I don't care how much talent you have. That's really impressive, and he deserves a lot of credit for that.
1: Amen, brother. All right. Thanks. There he goes, the one, the only Matt freaking Zimmer, who for the first time in years will not be covering a state championship football game. He said he's not going to do any of those games in the Dakota Dome. He's gone, so I can talk about him now. Uh, He will be in Brookings on Saturday. How big will the crowd be for the Jackrabbit game? They have been sensational this year. They have been fortunate with awesome weather and the beer is flowing for the first time ever and we've we've had that discussion a couple times how all of a sudden the attendance has jacked up at these Jacks football games but now here's the test uh it's it's not North Dakota state it's it's not it it's Illinois state and the Jacks do have a playoff berth and probably a seed and a bye in the first round all clinched but they need a win to clinch a top 2 seed and have all their games at home up until the national title game, and that's not going to happen unless they win. Plus, it's a senior day. John Stigelmeyer on Twitter has been uh, t- trying to get people to go to the game, uh, to come honor the seniors, and I know some people have hopped on his back with sub-tweets and response tweets. You know, it, it, it feels like the Jacks fans, just like they are with a potential banana peel loss of, oh, here we go again. Can Oh, come on, Jack, let's go. Uh, let's, let's represent in all kinds of weather. Well, will they? It'll be interesting. But, uh, you know, uh, it'll be great uh, to see what the crowd is like. At, for, and that'll be a nice topic for us to talk about on next week's podcast. And, hey, if you can't make it up there, can, you know, maybe you don't have Midco Sports to watch it on. The, that crew does a great job. If you want to come to a great environment with the game on, the Gateway Lounge will have it. Gateway Lounge will have the Jacks game on Saturday along with all the other big college football games. And uh, they'll have the state championship football games as well on Saturday on some of their TVs in the Gateway Lounge. And hey, if you uh, somehow aren't able to watch it on SDPB or go to the Gateway, you might be driving around on Saturday. Guess who's got the call for you on the good old-fashioned radio? Me. Uh, I I love doing it. I'm honored to do it. It's been nine, ten years now that I've done this collectively in the Dome to call these state championship games. I'll be with Brent DeBoer, <laughs> just a um, a wonderful dude, uh, a, a funny guy, personal guy, and uh, I, I can't wait to call three games with him. Former Roosevelt coach, won a couple state titles, retired, and then became the athletic director at T-Area, was an assistant football coach while he was the AD, just retired as both of those, and, uh, <laughs> and T's been accustomed to going to the Dome and Brent DeBoer in his first year not on the coaching staff is going to hang out with me. That's a significant decline in, in experience, but I can't wait to have him on the radio with me for the 11A game between Del Rapids and West Central, Friday night at about 7.30. T. and Pier for the 11AA Crown, a rematch. That's going to be at 1 o'clock. That'll be a phenomenal game. How many times have I said phenomenal in the last couple of minutes? And then, well, I, I, I'm not going to stop. A phenomenal game. Display Whether it's going to be a great game, competitive game, we'll see. I hope so. It's potentially, but even if it's not, uh, and Jefferson blows out Harrisburg, you're still going to see some phenomenal theatrics out of uh, uh, the shitload of talent that Matt Zimmer described Jefferson to have. And I'll have the radio call of that game on Saturday night at 7 o'clock. Craig and Curtis Riggs, two of my best friends in the business, they're, they're always awesome on the call, and people love watching them. But for some reason, if you – I can't, want to, or listen to the game. I, I, I'd be I'd love to have you, uh, it, for me to give you the theater of the mind. And uh, Sunday, come to the Gateway. Enjoy the Chiefs and the Vikings at noon. The Vikings have the Buffalo Bills. Wow. Best test of the year, probably. A uh, place will be hopping. Cowboys and Packers after that. And if you want to watch the games at the Gateway, the best seat in the house. There's not a bad seat in the house because you can see every game, uh, from any spot, practically, in the bar, it's a great movie theater setting. You probably know this. You've been to the Gateway. Uh, but the best seat in the house, a couple of rec- Barca lounger recliner chairs, leather uh, with big, giant uh, armrests and beer holders. Uh, Conlin's Furniture brings in these two, this recliner set to watch. And a uh, lucky couple fans will get to watch the whole game from there. And to be one of those fans, go to their Facebook page, Gateway Lounge on Facebook. Follow them on Twitter at Gateway SF. But they'll have they'll have a post about this Conlin's Furniture best seat in the house. All you gotta do is like or share, uh, comment about the Conlin's best seat in the house, and you might get it when you go to the Gateway. And that's like the best seat in the state, uh, maybe the country, if you're not at these games <laughs> to watch some of these NFL games. So uh, we, we love our gateway. All right, for Mad Zimmer, I'm John Gaskins. Matt, by this point, would say shut the fuck up. So I will. Goodbye. Why are you laughing? That was a terrible outro. <laughs> fuck you.
0: <laughs> you, <have laughs> you know,
1: yes.